Hello, welcome. This is the Just Bloody Post-It podcast for people who want to share their shizzle brilliantly and boldly online, who'd like to hear how others push through the pain of putting themselves out there so they can start to make things happen. Because surely the thought of not doing the thing you want to do is worse than some mild public humiliation. I'm Helen Perry, and you can usually find me putting it all out there on Instagram. That platform powers my small business. I run workshops and courses that share what I've learned about successful Instagramming. And if you've ever been to one, it's very likely I'll have mentioned my next guest. I'm a bit of a fan of what she does on Instagram. You can't have no accountability to the people who follow you at all and still reap the rewards. Not to go all Spider-Man, but with power and with influence comes responsibility. In spring 2019, Claire Seal was £27,000 in debt and after years of stress and sleepless nights had hit breaking point in her relationship with money. In her words, she had a really awful day. She decided things were going to change and she opened her then anonymous Instagram account, My Frugal Year, to document her journey into financial well-being. It was searingly honest and different, as well as being truly helpful. Claire's always shared what she's learning about good practice, her rights and how to develop a properly changed relationship with cash. Immediately, it attracted lots of attention. And in the two years since it launched, Claire's gained more than 75,000 followers on Instagram. A column in Glamour magazine has published two books and founded the Financial Wellbeing Forum, a platform for honest, judgment-free chat about personal finance. And she's making great money. Everything's fantastic, except nothing's ever totally fantastic, is it? We chatted about some of the costs of being so publicly vulnerable, about judgment and negativity online, and about how to do Insta-influencing well. But first, we dived into a bit of a rabbit hole about emails and time management. Hello, Claire, and welcome. Hi, Helen. Just to kind of do the whole pinch me thing. It's just a couple of years since you launched the Insta account, My Frugal Year. I mean, you've come such a long way. As my intro indicated, what what does your average working day look like now? Is there such a thing as such a a multi-hyphenate? I try to arrange my day according to how much energy I have. So I'm always quite buzzing in the morning. Um, And then by mid-afternoon, I am usually in a bit of an energy slump. So um, Penny Winsor actually recommended to me that that is the time that I should do all of my admin. Um, ah. And she's so right. Like, just oh my doing goodness, because those... I fall off a cliff there as well. I start the day full of beans, and then wah, it wanes. Yeah. And I and I actually read something from um, Anna Quadrado, um a couple of weeks ago in her brilliant newsletter about how she does emails and she works on like a two checks one reply system so she checks them at nine then she checks them again after lunch and then she does like a bulk reply 
uh, at four o'clock before she stops work, which um, I haven't quite got there because uh, I always feel like everything's far more urgent than it actually is. But I think that's the re- that's what I'd like to work towards. Oh my um, goodness, I could literally, I could really go <laughs> deep into this with you because running, I think like as a business grows quickly and you're running on your own, the messaging that's coming in from all different directions is just incredibly hard to keep on top of. But actually email's pretty important in terms of like you know knowing what's in there and have I replied to it but I don't have I don't have a good system for it yet yeah my system's not ideal (laughs) Um, but I do I do have a a VA who's brilliant now for the last like couple of weeks and it's already life-changing but yeah and then Wednesday and Thursday I have my toddler well he's nearly three and he's enormous so he's not really a toddler anymore but um he's around so those days exist that sort of consist of me like frantically uh trying to sort of have a balance between him not destroying the house and giving him enough attention and making sure that I'm responding to anything urgent so those days are always fun (laughs) Um, I've got one of your auto replies on those days actually on your email though like while we're on the topic of emails and you say to people um I'm with my toddler today and I can kind of respond to my emails but you know what it might not be instant it's just a really good way of setting expectations I thought yeah, and I try and I do try and do that. Um, but I'm actually, I'm about to try and take two weeks off, Helen, and wow. I'm <laughs> I'm <just laughs> terrified. Um, I feel like I need to prove to myself that I can take time away from my business. I feel like that's important, but also I'm not quite sure that I'm going to get it right. So <laughs> I think you, but I think it has to be a goal looking forward doesn't it sustainably to have something that you can run for many years that you need to find a way to take the kind of leave that you would take from an ordinary job absolutely absolutely it's been so intense for the last year and I've been working evenings and weekends to try and like make it work around when the children haven't been able to be in school or childcare. um and my husband's been brilliant as well um but yeah I just I think sometimes when you hit a bit of a wall, like you're not going to do your best work unless you take a bit of a break. So I'm trying to like in- enforce that. <laughs> Perspective is so super important, actually, that, you know, there's work that happens when you're not consciously working as well, when you can take a step back. Anyway, for those who didn't come for the kind of female founder chat, <laughs> uh, taking it back, Claire, when you started your account, which was just only just two years ago, you were £27,000 in personal debt. I think I'm right. Um, and my frugal year was going to journal your efforts to change that. And I'm just interested to know what the catalyst was for you to say, enough. I'm going to change this and I'm going to open an Instagram account and share it with Instagram what I'm going to do. What was there a was there a clear turning point for you? Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, this is um kind of, you know, a story that I've told a lot of times and I still sometimes get like a bit of a lump in my throat cuz it was a really it was a really really awful day and I think quite a lot of people's like journeys or um you know processes towards a better 
you know, better life or better situation start with that terrible day. It was the middle of March, I think it was the 14th. Um, and I was in an unarranged overdraft, which is the bad one. That's the one where they you're you used to be charged a daily fee. They've changed it slightly now so that um you're just charged kind of a ridiculous interest rate on your whole overdraft. And the bank called me and I was sort of like waiting for this phone call that I knew was coming from the bank. She asked me when I was going to be able to sort of sort it out. And I said, well, it's, it's going to be the end of the month when I get paid. And she asked me why. And it was the first time anyone had ever like asked me that on kind of a phone, you know, one of those scary phone calls with the bank. Um, and I just heard myself say, there's just no money left. What sort of happened next was that she was really nice to me. And she um, like arranged for some fees to be refunded, which took me just about back within my limit, which meant I wasn't then incurring more fees, which I think is a cycle that lots of people get into and makes it very, very difficult. You know, and it's definitely something I think that needs to change in the banking system. But yeah, and so I came off that phone call, A, feeling like, you know, something really, really desperately needed to change. Um, But B, feeling like for the first time in a long time, like actually maybe I could change something and make things better. Um, And so I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that um, woman's name was on the phone, but she probably changed my life. It, it all came like crashing down on me and I sort of realised how much it had been affecting like my sleep and my mental health, my emotional health, my relationships. I was so stressed all the time. It was, you know, money was the last thing that I thought about before I went to sleep at night. The first thing that I thought about in when I woke up in the morning, it was costing me so much more than just money to stay in that situation. Um I think I didn't really know what to do with that information. So for some reason, I decided to put it on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I was going to say this very, like such a personal thing. So, so linked with shame and embarrassment. And you're like, I'm, I'm going public. Was it sort of an accountability thing? Or did you realise it could help other people? Oh, no, I wasn't thinking about anyone else at that point, I'm afraid. I think it was partly accountability um and partly I um just didn't know what else to do I think it was like a bit of a sort of moment of madness almost and I do wonder often why I chose that as the kind of vessel for it almost um there wasn't anything particularly brave about it either like I was anonymous for the first year of the account and that's something that I forget about sometimes you know because I was so ashamed and there is so much there's loads of shame around um like debt and financial difficulty but it's very much matched by judgment from the outside as well so you know I was really worried that people were going to judge me I didn't you know a lot of my friends and family didn't know about it so I didn't want them to know but yeah I really just thought that maybe a couple of dozen people might follow me and shout at me if I spent too much money. I didn't re- I I definitely didn't expect it to grow into what it then became because I I think when you're in a situation like that you feel like you're the only person in the world and I really felt very isolated in it. I 
I thought I was completely alone. I thought I was the single worst person <laughs> with money in the world. Um, and it wasn't until I started the account and it started to gain traction. And then particularly after I wrote um, a list for Climbing Telford's blog um, was really when lots more people started sort of coming over and they were following, but they were also like sending me messages with their own story of, you know, either from the past or in the present of like their struggles in their relationship with money. And that's when it sort of clicked that this is far more common than anyone ever thinks it is. And we're just not talking about it. And everyone is left to suffer alone because they feel like it's their fault and they have to pay penance for having made mistakes with money. And, you know, I just thought like, bollocks that basically it was so quick that people did start to come on on that journey with you and no surprise to anybody listening that what you just described was relatable to just thousands of other people I discovered your account when you wrote the list for Clemmy as well with I think that was not very long after you launched it um and I think ever since then in kind of every workshop I've done or training session virtually bar none I've mentioned your account because it just represents everything I would hope that people are aiming for when they are sharing on social media because it's just so packed with value Claire you share all your learnings your fresh conversations was it always obvious to you what kind of content you wanted to create I think in the beginning it was just it was almost like a diary. Like I wasn't really writing it as though anyone was going to read it. Um, and I think that's how a lot of people start out. Like I've definitely, um, I'm a big, big fan of Sarah Turner, who's the Mumsy Mum, obviously. And I, I often go back and read her, the piece that she wrote about starting the blog and the fact that, you know, actually usually it was only there were like five views and they were all her Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do often wonder how many of my views are me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but there wasn't she was just writing it for her and like again you know back when Sarah started out that nobody was sharing that view of motherhood but everyone was feeling it and I think you know, I was just writing almost as though I was writing to myself. But then as time went on, I obviously, after you you kind of reach a certain point and you have a certain number of um, people following you, I always, always think that if you're getting something out of your um, account like I do you know I get the accountability I also ha- you know have turned it into part of my career now if you're getting something out of it you ha- you absolutely must make sure that it's symbiotic and that you're offering as much as you're taking from it um, and I don't really buy into the fact that you know I've seen quite often recently people sharing the fact that like your Instagram is or your social media is like an extension of your house. It's fine to delete comments or block people if they've come into your house, but it's not. It isn't, is it? It's a public Instagram that pro- potentially you are monetizing. So, 
I think, you know, you can't really have it both ways. You can't have no accountability to the people who follow you at all and still reap the rewards. Not to go all Spider-Man, but with with power and with influence comes responsibility. And I think, you know, I take that responsibility very seriously. So as as my audience grew, I wanted to provide things that were of value. And I wanted to, you know, I felt like I owed honesty. Yeah, I was going to say your honesty, there's so much value in your honesty, first and foremost, you know, your account is amazingly generous. But it's been a a lot for you at times. And I think it's true for anybody who shares gives away a great deal on social media, you then invite criticism people's thoughts and opinions um what form does that take for you and your account and your work and and how how do you deal with it I mean there are a few different ways that it sort of manifests actually that uh like any kind of antagonism and I I have to say I'm very lucky I get I don't get very much of it one of the obvious ones is the kinds of very um you know pe- people who have never struggled in their relationship with money sort of saying well it's as simple as what goes in versus what goes out like you must be uh I went on times radio last year to talk about this um or things around debt and someone texted in to say <laughs> uh you have to be a, a selfish halfwit to get into any kind of debt unfortunately that's an opinion that a lot of people hold and like they're wrong but um it's it's quite a popular opinion so I get some of it that. is uh, certainly among a certain type of newspaper reader I would say if you ever if you ever delve into the comments they they think they're they think they're pretty freaking clever a oh lot of definitely those guys, don't they and I just wonder like if all of these days from Dorset might have a, a daughter who's like struggling terribly with money and terrified to tell oh, her dad and can't tell that, her dad yeah you know I, that's that's what always kind of like strikes me I suppose I mean obviously the being horrible about it is is their fault you know having that attitude about money is that's like a very societal thing it's not necessarily just a few people who think that way um yeah so that's one of them and then increasingly recently obviously my material situation has improved a lot through like very hard work I have to say but also you know in the last six months mainly because I have grown a profile and written two books and put put the time in and and made myself incredibly vulnerable I now have very lucrative opportunities so the last six months has seen a big increase in income for me um and so now increasingly I'm getting people who are trying to sort of catch me out so people who are sort of insin like maybe insinuating that I'm not honest about how much I earn to which I will just respond I'm just about to ta- file, file my tax return. This is how much I've earned in the last year because I just, you know, um Will you, you share would you share that with your with yeah, your I community? Did. I did you it. Did. On, yeah, yeah. So I I had posted it always happens when I do an update post on how we're doing. Um so I posted something about how much we'd managed to pay off in um in the two years which was 
just shy of 25 grand we're sort of nearly we're very very nearly at the end of that part of our sort of financial plan now someone had commented being like well you must be earning a lot more than the minimum wage uh, or like national living wage to have paid that much off so I just responded like yes when I first started the the journey I was earning 25 grand and my husband was earning 30 he's he has changed jobs and now has had a pay rise and I went freelance and um, earned 60 grand in the last tax year. I pinned that comment because I felt like a lot of people might have been wondering that. And the last thing that I want anyone to do is look at my progress and ask themselves why they haven't managed it when actually some of it is to do with having more income. I do think sometimes people ask those questions in quite a sort of malicious way to try and catch me out. And I'm just yeah, not having I, it. <laughs> I, no, absolutely. I, it was almost insinuated that you shouldn't earn more than the national living wage or that, you know, that or, or you therefore you're less credible if you do. Do you know what I really liked about that, Claire, is like when you said because of my hard work and because of X, Y and Z, I'm earning more money. It was almost like you you nearly went into that and because I'm very lucky kind of thing that people tend to do when good things are happening for them but you didn't you you're, you know because I've written a book because I have worked hard and because I've run with what's happened and put the hours in things have changed well I think I have to kind of frame it that way because you know I I, I will freely acknowledge how lucky I've been and I will freely acknowledge how privileged I am I talk quite a lot about how we were we were broke like we were really on the bones of our ass but we were never poor you know we would always have have had a safety net we would have always had a roof over our heads um which just isn't the reality for a lot of people you know it's a bit of a catch-22 situation um at the moment is kind of either I could lie about what my income is um, and then, you know, people on the same journey but not the same trajectory would feel bad about their progress versus mine or I could purposely turn down opportunities to keep myself at a lower income or I could just do what I try and do and be honest about it and, and maybe rub a few people up the wrong way. But, you know, I I try to be I tr- also, you know, I because some of the opportunities that I have are really lucrative. I try to match that with time that I give for free for court for, you know, causes that I really believe in. So I, it's such a nuanced conversation because I do also really remember sort of seeing people talking about how much they were earning on on. Um, social media when things were really difficult for me and it made me feel absolutely terrible so I I always want to try and strike a balance between making sure that I'm sort of serving the community that has supported me through the last couple of years um, and also trying to you know use money as a tool to build myself the life that I want for me and my family as well so it's yeah it's it's tricky but I think if your intention is good and you're always trying then hopefully that comes across 
I think it really does. I think anybody that has or does follow you or follows you as a result of listening to this and anybody that can hear you speak about it uh, will appreciate how thoughtfully you're approaching all of it. Claire, when you started My Frugal Year, you did so anonymously. And then before your book came out, you came out yourself. How was that? How was that experience of posting your first picture of yourself on Instagram, talking to your family or friends who might not have known still at that point that it was actually you behind the account? It it was horrible. Um, oh, like was it? it? Was, uh, yeah, it was really <laughs> horrible. Um, so, I mean, there were loads of great things about it and people were so supportive and, you know, I couldn't fault that. And, you know, Grazia were amazing. Um, you did a was, piece in Grazia. That was the big, yeah. was that the big reveal or was it, it on your was, Instagram account? Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it was Anna, um, Anna Silverman who interviewed me and wrote the piece up and she did a, a really like amazing job that I'm always really grateful um that she turned she made it something very positive rather than as kind of publications that sometimes want to do like dwelling on the negative and the kind of sensational figures which I also did deal with later on when the book came out as well the response was overwhelmingly positive but it was a horrible time for me I felt so stripped raw I felt like someone had taken all of my skin off did people Um, did people close to you still not know at that point that it was you that was running this account like there was still some people that you had to tell right up until there were still some yeah there were still some people I think by that point like anybody who really mattered to me I had spoken to about it um or, or you know anyone who's going to be sort of directly affected and I'd I'd finished writing the book a long time before that so I'd been speaking to people about that yeah but I, I suppose it's that like second circle so like all of the ex-colleagues the people you went to university with like all of the people who you aren't necessarily in touch with you know knowing all of that information about it because I've been so honest and so like <laughs> so open thousands of people read in your diary but if like if they don't know that it's you then it's all right but the second that they put two and two together it feels very you feel very vulnerable but yeah I, I had a huge vulnerability hangover for for sort of a long time and then last summer it just I I've hit a real wall I think that all of that time feeling so vulnerable and um, the book being published in May and not and sort of having all of that like exposure I just felt so overexposed and it was exhausted in August I just I just stopped functioning like it got to the point where I just uh, the thought of having to like put a tea bag in a cup of tea and then get and then put the water in and then get it out and then put milk in made me want to curl up in a ball and cry I went to my GP who was amazing and she just said like it is no wonder you feel like this you've everything you've given everything that you've got you've got nothing left in the tank like you need we need to figure out how to get something back into your fuel tank um and so you know I I started taking 
um antidepressants which really really helped um and so was that the first was that do you mind me asking if that was the first time that you had or had you in the past no I I never had before I'd never experienced that before it was terrifying actually um but yeah and and so I I did that and I took a bit of a break from social media for a couple of weeks in September and just slowly started to rebuild things again and I'd had to write a book I'd had to write the journal during that time when I could barely like lift my head um and so that's something I'm really proud of now yeah it was really difficult as obviously the pandemic sort of added to it and I just felt completely broken by it all um and I think you know the the last six months since then have involved me putting some really clear boundaries in place growing a bit of a thicker skin um having like more courage in my conviction and realizing that it's not the end of the world if someone puts a snarky comment on one of my posts or sends me like an abusive DM that I don't have to address that or deal with it you know if it if it really is kind of horrible as opposed to just challenging or or questioning you're leading like this community that you've built and you're you're giving them so much and so much of your emotional energy do you have a network in place that helps you now that you know that you look to when you need support or guidance on this stuff I I do so I probably should utilize it a little bit more but I do have people that I speak to quite frequently I had a chat with Aja Baba recently and she said because one of the things when you have this big community and this big responsibility is you can get real paralysis around making decisions because you just don't know what's the best thing to do and she was talking about the fact that she has an accountability buddy um which I think is brilliant so like running those decisions um by each other and kind of you know having the support in place to say no to things that aren't right as well it's difficult and I I also spoke to my therapist (laughs) about this um finally um sort of able to like afford to speak to a therapist every couple of weeks very um you know again a real a real privilege but she was saying that you know in her work there's a code that's there to kind of hold her and make her feel safe that as long as she's operating within that code she's doing a good job and she's not harming anyone but that doesn't exist for people with arguably way more influence on way more people on social media and that's I'm working on a on a advisory council um to get something like that in place because I think that is part of the reason why we see so many people with big followings either either going down like a a slightly a sort of path that doesn't maybe seem true to how they started or started, their intentions yeah because their situation their situation has changed and like you say just just having so many eyes on what you do changes the way you behave the industry is just completely in its infancy and there's the odd bit of regulation around like hashtag ad but as you say there's just no guidance as to how to navigate people's expectations of you how to create 
longevity and something with decent roots and you know that kind of thing and in that sense I can completely understand why people panic and delete comments and block people the second that they I I think it I think it makes you feel very fragile when you're so exposed and there are so many eyes on what you you know on what you're doing um but then that censoring that is that's why websites like Tattle Life exist, you know. And so there's there's a real, I, I, there's a real issue with, um, you know, c- because accountability is really good for us. Um, you know, a, a certain level of accountability is really really good for us. If there isn't like a framework to hold us accountable, and then we're being held accountable by kind of individuals on our accounts, then that can feel like a really personal attack. And then, um, you know, it sort of turns into something that feels like bullying or trolling, even when sometimes it isn't. And then obviously, there's a big subsection of websites like that that are just utterly vile. So it's really difficult. I think um, the industry would really benefit from you taking on that auntie role, Claire, (laughs) and and sorting this shit out. Um, I feel that you're in the phase, correct me if I'm wrong, of turning your big Instagram community into um, a business, something for the long term for you and your family. And is that what the Financial Wellbeing Forum is about for you? Could you talk to us about it? Yeah, I think the Financial Wellbeing Forum really is about um, separating myself and my personal journey from the the cause almost and like the the sort of mission, um, which is really normalising different situations and different perspectives on money and helping people to find a sense of financial wellbeing rather than just looking at like, the kind of bare bones of good money management which you know a lot of people have been doing for a long time and it just doesn't reach a certain you know quite large subsection of people um, and having sort of an, a really honest and um, sort of emotionally intelligent judgment-free space for all of those things to be aired I wanted to create something that wasn't about me essentially um, because you know I I can talk about my experience but actually like I, I'm a middle class white woman um, who happens to have struggled with this and I don't think it devalues my experience but I, I don't want to pretend like that's the only experience of debt and financial ex- difficulty that exists because it isn't so probably the next step in the journey will be sort of letting go of that and my main channel being you know very much the same as what it is now but just under my name and then having um the financial well-being forum as well for all of those resources and thought pieces and um you know guides I, I really want to make it into something that's sort of like the go-to place for anybody who's struggling with their financial well-being and then obviously there, there are like big sort of pipe dream plans like having um, a charity arm like financial well-being trust where we can give so you know grants to people who are really struggling but that is a that's a long way in the future I think I mean you're on the the cusp as we speak of 
clearing down the debt that you started this project with. What are your financial ambitions now that you have this changed relationship with money and a different way of working and a different income? Do you think it looks different to what you would have wanted before you started this? I think my goals have always been quite consistent actually and I always say to people like it's absolutely fine if they change over the course of the time but I look back to the kind of long-term goals I posted actually quite early into the journey and I think because my life otherwise is quite settled like I'm married with two children I don't really want like I live in a city that I really love don't really want to leave I'm quite settled in in all of that stuff so you know the the next goal and I've been quite open about this as well the next goal absolutely after we've finished clearing the debt is to is to buy a house um so we rent privately at the moment and I've talked quite a lot about the the challenges that come with that in the UK you know it's not the case in a lot of other countries but tenants are still very much sort of treated as second-class citizens especially outside of London I think it's far more normal in London um and you know we were forced to move the day after the first lockdown was announced because our landlords just decided to sell and so we had to sort of you know move ourselves and our two children at great sort of financial and emotional costs at, at a really horrible time and I just don't if we can possibly afford not to be in that situation then that has to be my next priority um and so yeah so that but that's very exciting we're invested now Claire everybody will be really excited to see that day and do you feel now at ease with your public profile your social profile posting your picture on Instagram all of those things I think I have Definitely. It's only happened very, very recently, though. And there are still people who can like really get under my skin. Generally, I'm way more at ease with it. But I do genuinely believe that I have a fairly steady sense of financial well-being now. Like I'm I'm cool with it all, which means that I can like say stuff like I had twenty seven and a half thousand pounds worth of credit card overdraft and store card debt. So without like those feelings of sort of shame or like blushing or feeling embarrassed or whatever, ask me on a different day, the answer would probably be totally different. But today, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for your honesty in this recording, just as it is on your social profile. It's just exactly the same vibe. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. Thanks so much for having me. What I take away from that conversation is that Honesty will absolutely never go out of style. If you're feeling something or experiencing it, other people will be too. We really are not all so different. And if you just bloody post it, you will find your tribe on social that you can't go wrong when you're providing value sharing what you know and have learned with no expectation of getting anything back will work if you give generously a community will grow around you and that brings opportunity and that it's very possible for your online profile to grow and change. Claire's frugal year is over. Since we recorded her chat, she announced that she's cleared that £27,000 debt, so her account will move on to reflect that, and it's allowed. 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to help spread the word about Just Bloody Post It, the thing to do is leave a review about the podcast, algorithms and things. It makes it easier for people to discover it. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Bye.